Today is Thursday, August 5th, 2021. This is Dirt Tracker Daily. I'm Justin Fiedler. Coming up, we dive into the big penalties for Aaron Reitzel and Roth Motorsports. Talk last night's USAC Midget and Super Dirt Car Series races and look ahead to tonight's opener for the 360 Knoxville Nationals and USA Nationals. Before we dive in, if you like what I'm doing here, please subscribe to the show, leave a review, and hit those follow and notification buttons depending on where you consume this. Make sure to follow at Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And don't forget, DirtTracker.com has a bunch more cool dirt racing stuff. Now let's get going. The news I alluded to late in yesterday's show finally dropped last night. There had been rumors flying around for days, but we finally got the official release from the Word of Outlaws about Aaron Reitzel. Following the weekend in New York, Reitzel was discovered to be using a chassis that had previously been declared to have tubing that was too thin, hence making it illegal. Reitzel and his team repainted the chassis and then used an inspection sticker from a legal chassis to try and cover it up. For the violation of the rules, Reitzel has been fined $10,000, which must be paid in full by August 28th to not incur further penalties. He's also lost 1,000 driver points and is suspended for 30 days from outlaw competition. Along with that, Roth Motorsports has been fined $10,000, deducted 500 owner points, and is on uh, probation through the 2022 season. As of right now, Reitzel has not been stripped of the Friday night win at Ransomville. According to uh, Jeremy Elliott, his car did pass post-race inspection. This all went down on Saturday at Weed Sport, and when confronted by series officials, Reitzel admitted to the violations. He used a legal car for the Weed Sport race on Saturday. So with uh, with all that said, there's a lot to unpack here. First, with Reitzel unable to race, Roth is moving forward this weekend at Peevely with Parker Price Miller in the car. We don't know going forward who will race it, as PPM is committed to Guy Forbrook for the Knoxville Nationals. There are a lot of rumors flying around about Reitzel's future with the team. I've seen a lot of comments wondering why it's just Reitzel suspended and not Roth as a whole, but it's important to understand here how the team is set up. When Reitzel joined Roth in the offseason, he wanted things his way. He wanted to choose his own crew and run chassis and engines that he likes. So in essence, this is Reitzel's team with a Roth paint job and Roth backing. I'd say it's nearly certain that Dennis Roth and Todd Ventura didn't know anything about these violations. I think that's also probably a big reason why it's PPM this weekend, because he has his own equipment. They can sticker PPM's car up like the 83 and move forward quickly. As for the history of this particular car, Triple X tweeted out the chassis was built in 2011 and was legal and has been uh, passed outlaw inspection five times since. Word is this car was teched earlier in the season at Knoxville and was found to be illegal. On the TJ Slideways podcast last night, Jeremy Elliott kind of made it seem like the outlaw officials swept that under the rug, but the information I got is that Reitzel did have to use a spare car that night. And that's usually the process here. Tech official Tom Devitt comes around and checks cars, and if they're found to be illegal, drivers aren't allowed to use them. It's that simple. And there aren't any further penalties. Oftentimes, teams attempt to run cars without even knowing they are illegal. Sometimes through the repair and maintenance processes, chassis can lose thickness, In this case with Reitzel, the tubing thickness is almost secondary to the situation though. The bigger problem is that Reitzel knew the car wasn't legal and tried to circumvent the system to race it anyway. Why he did that, I don't know. Reitzel hasn't spoken publicly about this just yet. There doesn't seem to be consensus on if thinner tubing is really a competitive advantage here. I've heard weight savings and a chassis that flexes more could be beneficial, but whether those are big enough advantages, I don't know. It's also possible, and this is just simply speculation on my part, that Reitzel was using the car because of the supply chain issues plaguing everyone right now in motorsports and across the globe. The car manufacturers have struggled, just like Hoosier and the engine builders. 
He may have decided to race the car because he needed it in rotation in case something happened and he crashed another car. Again, I don't know that, uh, that for sure, but I'm just thinking out loud here. I know that many in the sprint car community were unhappy this week, especially that the process took so long and it was Wednesday before penalties were announced. I get that, but in defense of Carlton Reimers and Mike Hess and Tom Devitt, it's better to take the time to get things right. This was a clear attempt to circumvent the rules and the process, and the series needed to take the time to get the information straight and make the right decisions. They dropped the hammer on Reitzel and Roth, and they should have. There's no place for this at any level of motorsports. Going forward, even if Reitzel somehow keeps the ride, this will have a big impact on the season. Both Knoxville and the All-Stars are upholding the penalty, so Reitzel's options will be extremely limited for the next 30 days. He's missing out on big money shows at Peavely and Knoxville, plus races at River Cities, Red River Valley, Husets, I-80, and Black Hills. He wouldn't be eligible to race again until Skagit in early September. The loss of 1,000 points will put him behind James McFadden in the standings, and J-Mac continuing to race for the next month will separate the two even further for Rookie of the Year. What was going to be an easy win for Reitzel is now gone for that award. So massive points losses in the standings, the fine, a big hit to prize money, and probably merchandise sales are all going to stack up here for Reitzel. For those of you that don't think the penalties were harsh enough, consider all of the fallout from this. There are still more rumors flying around about the races last weekend and what could potentially happen in the coming days, so we'll just have to wait and see what plays out. As a general rule for me in this show, I'm not super interested in talking about unsubstantiated rumors or breaking news. There are plenty of other places to find those things, and I don't like the slippery slope that can come from all of that. All in all, it's an unfortunate situation that Reitzel and his actions created. He's going to pay a hefty price, and hopefully this will deter others from doing this again in the future. Drop me a comment below or on social and let me know your thoughts on the situation. Moving on to some racing last night, Eastern Midget Week continued last night for the USAC National Midgets at Action Track USA in Pennsylvania. As usual, the track put on another fantastic night of racing. In the night's feature, things got heated right on lap one. Emerson Axum went fourth to the lead on the opening lap around Buddy Kofoid, Thomas Meserol, and Dazen Persley. Out of turn four, with Timez to his inside, Axum carried the front wheels trying to get a big runoff, which caused his car to move to the left in a big hurry. Timez had nowhere to go on exit, and contact with Axum led to Timez getting spun out. Justin Grant then came along with nowhere to go, hit Timez, and ended up tumbling down the front stretch. Afterwards, Timez was furious and ran down to Axum's car where he proceeded to have choice words and hand signals inside of Axum's car. Luck certainly hasn't been on Timez's side lately, and I think things just boiled over for him last night. Axum's move clearly wasn't intentional, just pretty clearly, I think, a mistake. There was a lot of talk on social media about winning the race on the first lap, which I understand and agree with. Uh, a young driver here made a mistake, and Timez and Grant got the blunt end of the stick. Interestingly, Axum said after that he was sorry for the crash with Timez, but that Timez has wrecked a lot of people too, and it goes both ways. Once green again, Dazen Persley ended up officially leading all 30 laps, but inside 10 to go, he had to hold off sliders from Axum through lap traffic. In the end, he made just enough moves to keep Axum at bay. It was Persley's second career win and second in six races. Behind him, Axum was second, Buddy Kofoid third, Hayden Williams fourth, and Chris Windham was fifth. The point standings remain tight with Windham 18 back of Kofoid and Axum 41 back. I didn't realize this until last night, but apparently Buddy is injured. He has a broken wrist and a broken foot from a pavement late model crash at Elko Speedway in Minnesota back on July 24th. It cannot be easy to drive a midget like that, and it's probably amazing that he's finished 10th and 3rd so far this week. 
These injuries come at a pivotal time in the season. It'll be interesting to see if he can keep Wyndham and Axum behind him. Even though he might not be super popular right now, Emerson Axum has been on fire. He's now finished fourth or better in nine of his past 10 starts, and his average finish over the last five races is a series best 2.2. Eastern Midget Week continues tonight at Bridgeport. You can watch live on Flow Racing. Super Dirt Car Series was at Land of Legends Raceway in Canandaigua, New York last night for twin 60-lap features. This was uh, the first of it was the continuation of the previously postponed Liberty 100, and at the end, it was Peter Britton celebrating an emotional win. He slipped by Tim Fuller following a lap eight restart and was never challenged out front again. It was only his second career series win and first since 2017. He began running Canandaigua weekly this season. Behind him, Eric Rudolph finished second, Tim Fuller third, Jimmy Phelps fourth, and Jack Lehner was fifth. In the night's second 60-lapper, we had a big crash right at the start when Larry White got spun around on the front stretch. It also collected Daniel Johnson, Jordan McCready, and Justin Wright. Cars got turned over. It was a whole big mess. Everyone was okay, though. Later, Stuart Friesen rolled the bottom by leader Mike Mahaney on lap 13 and drove away to the win. It was Friesen's first win at Canandaigua since 2005 and his fifth win of the season. Fuller, Mahaney, Rudolph, and Matt Shepard completed the top five. Friesen maintains the series points lead over Shepard with Orange County Fair Speedway coming up next Thursday, August 12th. Tonight is the opening night of the USA Nationals at Cedar Lake for the World of Outlaws Late Model Series. The Thursday schedule includes a complete standard World of Outlaws show with USRA Limited Late Models also on the card. Tomorrow is Heat Races and the Dash, which sets up Saturday night's 50,000 win 100 lapper. There are obviously plenty of storylines to follow this weekend, including the World of Outlaws points fight and who can pick up another Late Model Crown Jewel win. The USA Nationals in 2020 was all Brandon Overton. He led all 30 laps of the prelim feature and 57 of the 100 to bag the 50 grand on Saturday. Brandon Shepard, Ashton Winger, Chris Madden, and Jonathan Davenport all also have wins at Cedar Lake in recent seasons. This was also the race last year that Tyler Erb flipped around backwards on the track to go after Bobby Pierce under a caution, which subsequently led to his suspension from Dirk Hart and Outlaw sanctioned events. Looking at some drivers to watch tonight, I definitely keep an eye on Davenport, Madden, Shepard, and Overton. Ricky Weiss also has some good past runs at Cedar Lake. The DirtTracker.com analytics prediction formula heavily favors Davenport tonight. If you can't be there, you can watch live on Dirt Vision. Important note, though, the USA Nationals are not part of the Fast Pass. If you want to watch tonight and tomorrow, um, Thursday's program is $24.99, Friday's program is $24.99, and Saturday is $29.99. You can buy the three-day package for $59.99. Seen a lot of complaints about this, but remember that streaming continues to be way cheaper than it was in the past years, and this is just, you know, it's going to take some time to get all of these things kind of ironed out. It's my understanding, too, that keeping this event pay-per-view is a track decision, so keep that in mind as well. Also getting underway tonight is the 360 Knoxville Nationals. Tonight and tomorrow are prelim programs setting up Saturday's big show that pays $15,000 to the winner. At last count, we're somewhere near 93 entries for the week, and the list of drivers is absolutely stout. It's the Knoxville regulars you'd expect, plus the ASCS contingent and plenty more guys like Corey Eliason, Shane Golubic, Brady Bacon, Tyler Courtney, Joey Saldana, Gio Selzy, Darren Pittman, Sammy Swindell, and a whole lot more. Kerry Madsen is the defending race winner, but it doesn't appear as though he'll be in attendance. Should be a really fun couple of nights of racing, and you can watch the action live on Dirt Vision with your Platinum Fast Pass or via pay-per-view. There are nine shows on the streaming schedule for today, including the opening night of the 360 Knoxville Nationals and USA Nationals on Dirt Vision, like I just said. The USAC Midgets at Bridgeport on Flow Racing, USMTS Modifieds from 81 Speedway on Race and Dirt, and weekly and regional action from several tracks as well. 
To see the full daily streaming schedule with links to watch, visit dirttracker.com slash watch tonight. That's it for the show today. Hope you have a good Thursday. If you have thoughts about the topics on today's show, please leave them in the comments below or tweet at me. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow for more Dirt Tracker Daily.